So Davian Sims, he commits to Oregon, but is Michigan State truly out of contention? And also, well, we see another wide receiver transfer portal target. Pick a school that's not Michigan State, and then uh, apparently we do background checks for Michigan football now these days. But let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked on Spartans. Your team in green and white five days a week here, yes, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thank you so much for giving us a listen. Ever want to reach out? Hey, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us. All right, let's get the week started here, and we're going to go back uh, over the weekend on Saturday Zadavian Sims, defensive line prospect out of Oklahoma, top 200 kid, great player, visited Michigan State uh, here and there, uh, had Michigan State on his short list, ultimately commits to Oregon. Now, we kind of sort of spoiled that before the weekend started. A lot of the crystal balls were going to Sims to Oregon, a lot of the rivals predictions, the on three predictions. It was the worst kept secret going into the weekend. So on Thursday, I said, let's not waste our time. Like, don't tune in. It's going to be Oregon. Like, you could tell where kids are going to be committing quite ahead of time these days. Between Thursday and Saturday, though, when we talked about that and his commitment, something unusual happened. Um, coming across the Twitter timeline, official Zadavian Sims books his official visit to Michigan State in early June. That's right, right on the eve of committing to Oregon, booking a different trip elsewhere. He's also going to be visiting TCU as well and Vanderbilt, so it is Michigan State, TCU, and Vanderbilt in that order coming up in official visit season in June. But, yeah, um, interesting to say the least. Uh, Sink Jewel, he sends in a question. Uh, they always send in fantastic questions. Sink Jewel might as well be executive producer of this show. What are your thoughts on Sims' official visit to MSU in June, but committing in May? Do you know anything slash what do you think the end game is? Here's what I know is that following college football recruiting is a full-fledged circus sometimes. <laughs> I mean, um, actually, this move reminds me a lot of the night before my wedding, the night before I was going to commit you know, to a wonderful life with my beautiful wife. And uh, I actually told her, hey, by the way, when we get back from this honeymoon, I, I have a, a few dates set up with some people afterwards just to, just to see. You know, I'm, I'm still going to you know, commit tomorrow. I'm still going to do everything. But just to give you the heads up, next month I'll be busy a few weekends. Um, of course, that may or may not be a joke right there, but that's the most extreme example I can think of just to compare um, what's going on here. Now, do I know anything? Not really, but let's focus on the what do you think the end game is here. It could very well just be a bargaining chip, right? I mean, going to these schools, especially in the era of NIL, you can go to these schools with a serious number that they may or may not be offering you. And that that might be a, a cold way of looking at it, but business is business. Like This is the world of recruiting now. We are a long way away from how it used to be, and this is what it's going to be like moving forward. Or maybe we just take that out of the picture. It could very well just be that Sims maybe just has some peace of mind Having one school at the top of his mind, you know, maybe instead of four or five schools floating in his head whenever he visits another school, maybe it just helps him 
bring some clarity to the equation when he's just thinking, all right, well, I'm only going to compare the school to Oregon, the place I'm with right now. I'm not going to have Oklahoma float in my head, TCU, Vanderbilt, what have you. So maybe that just helps him make the decision a little easier. Is that, okay, well, this is the, the horse that's in the lead right now in Oregon. Let's see what these other three schools that I'm going to be visiting, let's see if they can blow me away and blow Oregon out of the water. So maybe a combination of both there, uh, maybe a little NIL, maybe a little just this is how the kid wants to go about thinking of the decision. I, I really tried to put myself in his shoes, and that's the best I, I got. So, no, the, the game is not over. Again, we are months, months away from signing day. Um, even after these official visits, he'll be hearing from all sorts of other programs, programs that he's visiting. So yeah, this has got to be stressful for high school kids. I, that's not missed with me of how just very unique and unusual of a process this is for high school kids, teenagers making massive decisions. But yeah, that's just very interesting way to start the weekend. Like, okay, we, we all know he's going to Oregon tomorrow, but... Hey, let's get the green carpet rolled out for him at the beginning of June coming up. So, yeah, of course, if anything unfolds with his recruitment, which, by the way, hey, we, we would love if you came over to Michigan State, man. Hope that visit goes really well. But, yeah, we'll update it here on Locked on Spartans. But, yeah, just a fun little way to kick off the weekend. Now, um, this next part isn't so fun. Uh, we're going to go back to the transfer portal and trying to acquire players. We talked about Keon Stewart being a, a Michigan State legend for all but – what, not even 72 hours last week? He went from Michigan State, flipped to Arkansas without even a decommitment, whatever. Um, now, this, what we're going to bring up, isn't a decommitment. Um, this was just a kid visiting campus very recently. We're talking Montana, Lamonius Craig. Great name. Even better player, wide receiver from Colorado. He had, like, what, three catches, 153 yards, and two touchdowns in Colorado's spring game. Had a pretty good career over in Boulder even before that, but jumped into the transfer portal, and he visited Michigan State, who has made it very clear that they are after a receiver. I mean, the receiver room is just kind of blown up. It's a wide-open competition, and they want to get as many bodies in there as possible. And it's been not not going so well uh, during this portal window uh, because, again, hey, Montana, he visited Michigan State, and that visit went so well, just so well, that he decided to commit to Arizona like right after it. Right after it. Arizona, Arizona, not the Cardinals. Nope, the, the Arizona Wildcats football team. Not necessarily missing a kid to Georgia or Bama or anything like that. So uh, I'm starting to get a little kind of really worried here about the wide receiver transfer portal fishing hole. Um, and again, look, Michigan State, a, a solid room already. Yes, Keon's gone. Jaden Reed's gone. There's going to be a lot of production to replace. But yeah, Trey Mosley, okay, Mr. Reliable. Love that guy. Jerron Glover, young kid, getting a lot of attention in spring practice. Tyrell Henry, Antonio Gates Jr., Montori Foster. I might be missing one or two. Those are just the names at the top of my head. But, look, it's clear that the staff also thinks that they need at least another receiver because, well, they've tried to go fishing for Tyler Harrell. All right, that's the Alabama transfer. Started off at Louisville. He was on campus, loved Michigan State, but he loved Miami more. And when you lose a kid to Miami, you can think, well, there's always NIL talk around Miami. And, like, let's just be honest with ourselves. Miami's just a really cool place in general. I mean, if I had one or two more years left in my college career and I'm picking, like, it's hard to turn down palm trees. Anyway, A.J. Henning was another guy that they offered. He went to Northwestern. Okay, you could kind of stomach that as being, like, a Chicago-area kid. 
Wants to go closer to home. All right, Jade Walker, Grand Valley State transfer. Michigan State offered him. He commits to Texas A&M, and they've been pretty loud about their NIL spending, so you could convince yourself, okay, maybe that was the issue in the end too, but now here we are. All right, with Montana, Lamonius Craig going to Arizona. I'm out of I'm out of excuses for that one. Uh, look, I know it's asking a kid a lot to travel across three time zones to come play football at Michigan State. Maybe that's something to do with it. Maybe he wants to be closer to home or where he used to play. But wow, that's uh, that's a bad one. That's a bad miss uh, because there are snaps, there are reps to be had up here at the wide receiver position at Michigan State, and we're going from Boulder to. Where does Arizona play? Tucson? Wherever they, it doesn't matter where they play. They don't play it well. All right, so that's that's really hard to lose a wide receiver transfer prospect to. I mean, with all due respect, a C-rate program over in Arizona. So it's like, well, God, what are what are what are we like? Oh, oh, heaven. So again, Trey Mosley, Jaron Glover, Tyler Henley, Gates Jr., Montori Foster. You also have Malik Carr as well, the tight end. Uh, we're going to have a solid run game this year. I have full faith in that. So, no, I'm not, like, you know, pulling all the fire alarms and being like, oh, this is DEFCON 2. We're drowning here. I mean, you can go into the season without a third receiver. It would just be really nice to have one here. Uh, but let's just talk about wide receiver recruiting. And it, it's been interesting. Like, they have gotten some good recruits, and we're going back to the high school ranks right now, like Jeremy Bernard, good pickup. Of course, he transferred. Keon Coleman was a great pickup. I don't think he'll be playing for Michigan State next year, but there's a big June coming up. Nick Marsh, Quasi Gilmer, Jordan Ross, uh, Ross and Gilmer, both California kids, and then Bronte Johnson from Indiana. They're all visiting in June, all receivers, all rated inside the top 300 in the nation. So th this could be a really nice way to rebound for the receiver class. Now, will it help us this fall? Uh, not unless one of those kids reclassifies, which I don't even think is an option. But yeah, I mean, we could really use some positive momentum in that receiver room. That's just me. I, call me crazy. All right, we're going to be back in a hot second, but first, just need to talk your ear off about Built Bar. That's right, gang. We're talking about the best protein bars in the land over the weekend. Hit up the golf course and did not do so until I wolfed down a churro puff bar my favorite built product that they have out there and they got so many great flavors go on to built.com and just scan all their built puff flavors now the puff is a protein infused marshmallow if you don't know or just their standard built bars because all these things taste better than a candy bar in my opinion wrapped in 100 percent real chocolate and most of these built bars just 130 calories just four grams of sugar but a whopping 17 grams of protein you're not feeling weighed down you're not feeling jittery off all the sugar you're only feeling the power and the great taste that built gives you so hey if you're at sam's club go run in and grab a 13 bar box with the hit flavors brownie batter puff and my favorite churro puff you could also go into walmart as well but if you're old-fashioned go to built.com to stock up on your built bars all right here let's head over to the basketball court and i i should have like a sound effect for this like uh, breaking news we're still on Jaden akins and aj hogard watch um, in this offseason. Now, you guys probably know the dates by now if you've been listening to this podcast here and there, but if not, the only date that's really left on the board here is that these guys have to make a decision by May 31st to retain their college eligibility. It's either that or stay in the draft. You may already know this. I'll repeat it anyway. They did not get invited to the NBA Combine. They did not get invited to the G League Combine, but that's not to say 
that they're totally inactive and they're just kind of sitting on their hands waiting around uh, to make their decision. Jaden Akins, before the weekend started, his agency that he signed with, they had uh, a workout in front of a bunch of scouts and GMs at the same place that the NBA Combine was taking place at. So just because they weren't invited to the Combine doesn't mean they're not getting exposure to all sorts of NBA personnel. So you may have seen that clip. Uh, that's just some clarity right there. It was the agency I'm sure they rented out the, the gym where the combine was going on and said, all right, well, hey, here's a handful of players that didn't get invites. We're going to showcase them anyway. Come one, come all coaches and GMs and scouts if you want in on the party. So I we're gotta, we got to be on the 10-yard line here of their decision. I mean, God, there's only 10 days left at the time of recording for their decision. So we're closely watching what they're going to do. I, I'm going to put at a 99% chance returning to Michigan State. Let me knock on wood right there for that. We've jinxed a lot worse on this program, but it, it would be quite the decision to jump into the NBA draft despite not getting a combine invite. But again, the whole reason for this, and I've thought this from the beginning, a lot of people have thought this from the beginning, this is not a unique opinion, is that they're just entering the draft to get feedback for future drafts where they're going to be a more serious draft prospect. I mean, it's like going to a job fair, sitting down with an engineer at a top flight company if you're an engineering student, and then giving you legitimate earnest feedback on your schooling. It's, it's no different. It's just the basketball version of that. Now, with that said, we've got some insight. This comes from Donald. He emails us at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. And, hey, what, what I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know Donald at all. I don't know his qualifications. I don't know anything. But we're still going to read this email, and we're going to take it 100% seriously. Why not? Donald, thank you so much for writing in the following. A Spartan I know who lives near Philly was talking to a relative of Hogard. Hogard is returning to school. He wants the feedback from the draft prospects. I, I was told not to dox my source. Just know that interesting encounters happen when wearing Spartan gear. You got that right. Hey, you know, Spartan country. We, we are coast to coast. We are around the world. We might even have a flag on Mars for all I know. But yeah, so if Donald can be believed, that's right. He knows someone in Philly that talked to a Hogard relative. He's coming back, so... Donald, I like what you're selling me. So we're going to buy it, and we're just going to take full stock at that. So if Hogard decides to go to the draft, don't yell at me, everyone. All right? Yell at Donald. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. No, thanks a lot for the email, Donald. Really do appreciate you. So, yeah, I wish we had more to talk about with uh, Michigan State basketball, quite frankly. But uh, right now, recruiting is kind of at a lull right now. I mean, Izzo is you know, touring the, the Midwest, some AU circuits here and there. But... Yeah, recruiting is kind of at a standstill, which is fine. You already got two good commits for your 2024 class. All the other guys are, you know, they're doing their workouts. Jackson Kohler's over, uh, working incredibly hard. I start sweating just when I watch his workout videos that he posts on Instagram and Twitter. But, yeah, it's it's all eyes on A.J. Hogard and Jaden Akins. And also an, another um, clue for the A.J. Hogard's decision, uh, Moneyball Sportswear, Lansing-based company. They're having a meet-and-greet or maybe just recently had a meet-and-greet with Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard in attendance. Now, is that a surefire sign of, oh, he's definitely coming back? Like, no, he's allowed to sponsor other companies, even though he's not coming back, but it's probably billed as a meet some Michigan State players event. So that's that's what we got for you on the basketball front. Some cool events going down at Moneyball Sportswear is uh, how we're 
following the jelly beans on this trail to the final answer of the decision. Zach writes in at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. With the MSU versus Ohio State game timing being announced and with the Big Ten's new media right deal with NBC and CBS, I thought it would be a good question for a mailbag episode. At Zach, any question is a good question for the mailbag episode right now. Uh, a lot of you guys wrote in over the weekend, actually. We'll splice it up throughout the week. Anyway, back to Zach's question. What is the ideal kickoff time when you're attending a game? What is the ideal kickoff time when you're watching it on TV and then for a rivalry game like Michigan? What is the ideal kickoff time? I can go on about this for four and a half hours, but try to keep it to a few minutes here. Now, when you're attending a game, the best, in my opinion, is at 3.30 time slot. The 3.30 time slot because you're not waking up before the rooster is, you know, to get to the tailgate like you would a noon kickoff if you like to hit it that hard that early. 3.30, you can still get to campus at... 11 a.m., 10 a.m. if you really want to. And that's not waking up super early. You have time to travel from wherever you're going. And it's a beautiful day. Weather's always great. If you have a tailgate with a TV, you're watching other games before the Spartans even kick off. Life is beautiful at 3.30 kickoffs. Also, because when you get home, if you're not just completely exhausted and drained from the day, like you still have your night left. You get home at, we'll call it 9-ish. If you live about an hour and a half away, so yeah, you got your night ahead of you. Whereas a night game... You get home, it's like 1 in the morning, you're already toast, and so, whatever. Noon, yeah, I just don't like the whole waking up early thing, but you do get the rest of your day when you get home. Anyway, the second part of that question, the best kickoff time for road games is noon. Let's just get it out of the way very quick. Actually, 51% of me says noon, 49% of me says night game, because it is cool if you could just, you know, do your yard work during the day or do any obligations during the day, and your whole day builds up to maybe you get together for a night game. That's always fun. Like, I, I got no issues with that. But, hey, there's also something to just waking up. All right, we're first. I'm just going to cross this off my list and let it make or ruin the rest of my day right off the bat. You know, like a healthy, well-adjusted adult would. Um, now, for the rivalry game, either home or away. Home or away. Noon. Noon. If, if anything, uh, 9 a.m. would be ideal, actually. Uh, I want to rip that band-aid off immediately. Last year... I, going throughout the day, I'm personally speaking myself, I, I wasn't as riddled with anxiety as I usually am with those games. Things were not going well for Michigan State. Michigan looked like a good team, so like, kind of knew what was going to happen that whole day leading up to kickoff. But the year beforehand, I spent the entire morning wanting to throw up before watching undefeated Michigan State play undefeated Michigan in quite literally the most historic game those two teams have played. The first time ever both teams have played each other undefeated that deep into the season. So um, did not eat breakfast, uh, couldn't even really stomach a glass of water. And this is all just great healthy behavior that I'm admitting to right now. Definitely don't need to see professional help about any of this. But it was nice to not carry that into like a 3.30 game. Or like a 7.30 game or an 8 o'clock game. Like, let's just wake up, just saunter through the three or four hours we're awake beforehand, and let's just get this party started right at noon. So I like, whether it's a home game or an away game for Michigan, let's just get this out of the way because there's just an unhealthy amount of jitters and nerves and anxiety before that game kicks off. Uh, so that's... That, that's why I'm copping out and saying noon. I don't want to wait any longer than I have to to see that game get rocking and rolling here. Um, we're going to rock and roll on something uh, very Michigan and Michigan State-based here in a second. The whole Shemmy Schembechler saga, I'm sure. A handful of you are here for that main event. But first, I need to talk your ear off about fan 
Duel Sportsbook, the number one sports book in America. I got in on the action on the racing app actually over the weekend with the whole horse race that happened. The Belmonts did not go well for your boy, but got FanDuel's racing app is second to none. You get to watch all the races, they explain everything to you so easily. But yeah, let's go back to the NBA playoffs. Right now, new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, new customer. Hey, Wager anything you want to up to $1,000. You're going to get $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. It is that easy. There's no better place to bet in on all the action with the NBA playoffs and with America's number one sports book. We are talking FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, well, this was a fun way to end the weekend. Uh, Hey, you know what? Let's just do the timeline of everything in case people were actually enjoying their weekends offline and off the grid. Over in Ann Arbor, uh, Shemi Schembechler, uh, the the son of Bo Schembechler, of course. That name is very familiar. On Wednesday, I believe, he gets hired as assistant of the recruiting director or some job like that. Uh, And I think that's a little bizarre when that comes out like that's nice instead of you know trying to stray away from the Shem Beckler name after all that happened with the multiple accusations of his enabling of Dr. Anderson abusing many people under his watch like yeah sure let's just bring him in for some weird random desk job title okay so I thought that was a little interesting just right off the face value of that Thursday rolls around And uh, like any good millennial, I spend a majority of my time online, and I get sent screenshots of some things that Shemi Schembechler has liked on Twitter. Now, if you're not hip to Twitter, maybe you're hip to Facebook. Someone leaves a comment, you like it, you know, you uh, agree with it, so to speak. Or, you know, maybe you don't agree with it, maybe it's just like a one-off thing. You could get away with the glitch excuse, like they use for Donovan Edwards, if it was just like one or two, but it, it was a laundry list. A laundry list of tweets that Shemi has liked that, and look, we're, we, we ain't talking political differences here, right? Like, this isn't like, oh, he voted yes on a prop I don't agree with. Like, oh, he supports that senator. Like, mm-mm. This was outright hate speech. He was liking and attaching his name to. Racist. Homophobic. I'm not going to say it. Got a very strict policy on what we can and cannot say on the Lockdown Network. But, hey, if you want to go find them, well, I suggest you go over to Twitter.com, a place where, well, Shemi doesn't have an account anymore. We'll get to that in a hot second. So I tweet out the screenshots after being sent them. I'm like, hey, I, I'm i going to share this unless you want. And they're like, green light, buddy. Go ahead. Because uh, that's really, really aggressive to just be liking stuff like that anyway. So Friday it starts to get traction. On the good old Twitter, uh, John U. Bacon, who covers Michigan, he he retweeted it and he added his comments of like, what is, what is going on here and why was this guy even brought in? I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what a big guy like John U. Bacon uh, wrote from the Michigan side. And Saturday afternoon, after the account scrubbed 2,000 likes and eventually deleting the Twitter account, uh, he resigns. There's a parting of ways there. So that's another good example of, no, it's not just me picking out a few fringe comments that he liked. We're talking thousands of them. And comments so strong, well, the university or someone said, hey, Shemi, time to nuke that account and bring that to ground zero. Like, we are not going to be doing this anymore. Now, of course, he is without a job with Michigan football. And do I feel bad 
I mean, look, I, I, do I think it's a coincidence that after sharing it on the internet Thursday night and 48 hours later, after that was shared many times, he gets removed for those insensitive likes, for attaching his names to those comments? I don't think it's a coincidence at all, actually. And do I feel bad? A absolutely, positively not. No, not even a little bit. Uh, he'll be fine. He's always been fine in his life, thanks to a lifetime of handouts, thanks to his last name, and it's very ironic that he actually takes issue with some people allegedly getting handouts throughout their life, but no, like, my only regret in this whole saga is not sitting on this any longer. Like, I, I, we, we tweeted this all out. This was spread before the chair at his office even warmed up. I mean, before he could even be front-facing with any recruit that he probably doesn't really want to be in the same room with. Maybe I should have sat on that for, like, Closer to the season, or maybe in the middle of the season, make things really hairy for them. But, uh, hey, when the trash smells, you got to take it out immediately. We're not going to have that linger around for longer. So, am I talking about all this to just bring this up as a victory lap? You know, do some chest thumping. Hey, look at us. Just a few stooges on Twitter uh, just had a direct impact to <laughs> employment at Michigan football. Yeah, like 5% of that is, is is what I'm doing right now. I can't lie. This is objectively hilarious. Uh, but no, the other 95% why is, uh, here's the actual serious part of it. Wondering why an idiot on Twitter like myself is the one running background checks on your staffers over in Ann Arbor. If anything, I should be getting a lot of thank you notes from Michigan fans. I helped your program. All right, we helped your program. The person that shared the screenshots helped your program, actually. This was all aired out before this guy could even get in front of a recruit, before he could start, I don't know, maybe even going off the rails during a visit or just bringing that stench into the program. So you're welcome, first and foremost, uh, on Spartans at gmail.com if you want to send me a nice little email fruit basket for you. Uh, but look, Michigan went about this in one of two ways. Number one, no one even bothered to look at Shemi Schembechler's background at all, which, I, why would you want to run any intel on someone with the Schembechler last name? Yes, certainly, that's a squeaky clean reputation they got rolling over there. Uh, or, hey, you know what? The second option of what happened here is that they knew that they would get away with this like everything else. You know, like playing a great defensive player on felony gun charges, like the offensive coordinator having computer access crimes. You know, and no digging around. I mean, was it hacking emails? I don't know. Was it changing grades? I don't know. Was it, dare I say, something worse? I don't know. We'll never find out because they get to get away with everything. Hey, you know what? We'll just fire you. No one's going to dig in any deeper anyway. Or how about the running back sharing hate speech on his Twitter as well? Um, or, oh yeah, how about that other Schembechler thing that happened a while ago that they just really don't want to talk about? So yeah, they get the benefit of the doubt of just Turn to the blind eye, putting the blindfold on, and having nothing happen. But, uh-oh, uh-oh, shoot. Well, here we are, uh, just to the rescue here, doing your HR work, apparently. So, how we're going to relay this back to Michigan State, because this is locked on Spartans, after all. Juxtapose all of that with the free press foyering Mel Tucker's contract into oblivion, fighting tooth and nail, taking it to the courts to find out how our African-American football coach got paid almost $100 million. Okay? Juxtapose that with Matt Weiss, unmarked cars at his house, computer access crimes, and then no one on that side wants to dig into that a little deeper. We're just going to leave it as the most vague three words possible. Computer access 
access crimes. Really hard work right there. Juxtapose that with the reaction from their side after the tunnel incident and how Mel Tucker suspended eight players. Eight players while investigations were still going on. One wasn't even charged with as little as a misdemeanor, and he still had to miss four games. Six of them misdemeanor charges. Or, hey, but you know what? Over there, Mazia charges over his head for weeks. And his punishment? Well, just starting every game before it came out and after it came out. And believe me, I know that takes a little bit of digging, but here's a little inside secret. I knew about the Mozzie stuff three weeks before it came out, and I don't even go digging for information. That just came to me. You're telling me that no one on that beat knew about it? Wanted to dig around on that? Maybe perhaps FOIA something? That seems to be their favorite file to document in East Lansing. But again, it's just a little juxtaposition I find a little humorous. Juxtapose all this with LJ Scott being on the front page of the sports section when he got a traffic citation... And then you got a staffer that you just hired running around like he's David Duke, and you're going to present him in front of recruits? Are you kidding me? And it's just crickets over there until, hey, us, you know, Michigan State Twitter. Just a few stooges on Michigan State Twitter just bringing this to light. And uh, look, credit Michigan, I guess. They did the right thing in the end. There was a parting of ways. But hey, if it wasn't for all the folks on green and white Twitter, would that happen? Would that have happened? Or was it just going to be a prayer that it was going to be like everything else and it slides under the table? It slides under the rug. You just bury it. You know your media is not going to talk about it. Oh, we'll just slip by. Uh, yeah, sure. Just a few skeletons in the closet. And that's what cracks me up about the whole thing, too, is like all, all this to just give a handout to some guy for some random assistant recruiter role. You know, this wasn't some ace offensive coordinator that you're bringing in or some amazing defensive recruiter you're bringing in where you could, you know, live with maybe a few little skeletons. Now, this was just to give another handout to a guy who's lived a life of handouts and, well, a guy that was also outright racist and transphobic and all that other good stuff. So really strong there. Uh, again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Uh, I'll either send you my invoice or you can send the payment for doing your HR work. I'll share it with the people that shared all the screenshots as well because hey, it takes a village to um, apparently do someone else's HR work. All right, guys. Hope you have a great start to the weekend. Uh, you too, Shemmy. I know you got a lot of time in your hands now until some other person that heavily agrees with your stance gives you another handout and gives you some paper-pushing job anyway. Hope you all have a great week. This has been a pleasure. Love you all. Go Green.